0: For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. You know, this morning, we're in Phoenix, Arizona. It is nice and beautiful out here this morning. And we're at the National Association of Housing Cooperatives annual meeting. The National Association of Co-ops is sort of like a federation of housing cooperatives. So the National Association of Housing Cooperatives have been around for some time. They have people here from all over the U.S. and sometimes from Canada and Bermuda, St. Thomas, which is the part of the U.S. And right now, this morning, we've invited several people to just come in and tell us their name, what co-op they're from, how long they've been in the co-op, anything that's interesting that's going in the co-op, and kind of think what what they've learned. And Miss Audrey Dixerson is the first person here from Boston. Good morning, Audrey.
1: Good morning, Virgin. How are you?
0: Great, great. Uh, you're coming, coming across loud and clear. Thank you for coming in this morning.
1: No problem. So... Where are you from, and what's the name of your co-op? I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm from St. Joseph's Community Incorporated.
0: St. Joseph. How many units do you own?
1: Um, We have 137 townhouse units.
0: Okay. How long have you lived there?
1: Um, I moved into St. Joseph um, February of 1970.
0: 1970?
1: Yes, Yes. 1970. You were five? I'm 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 up there, <laughs> but that's when I moved in February 1970. 70, 42 years. Yes, I've I've been involved 40? in cooperative housing for 43 80. years. 40, okay. So, are you on the board? Yes, I am on the board of directors. I am the president of the board of directors, and that means that I'm the president of the housing cooperative. It's like being the CEO.
0: Okay. So let's go, yeah, 100 and how many units?
1: 137 townhouse units.
0: Okay, so it is a cooperative, a housing cooperative. Yes. And so, people out there, let me first give you the four different types of co ops. And for those that have been listening, you've heard this a lot, but I'd like to make sure people know there are four major types. If it's And it depends on who owns and controls the business, because each of these housing co ops are a business. And if it's owned and controlled by the employees, it's called a worker cooperative. Therefore, any business you can think of that have employees could be a cooperative. And if it's owned and controlled by the people that uses the products or the services, and that's like credit unions or housing co-ops, and there's a health clinic in, in Madison, Wisconsin, that the patients own and control that health clinic, then it's called a consumer cooperative. And those are some examples. So there's different types of consumer cooperatives. where the consumers. Food co-ops are an example, and... And they're scattered throughout the U.S. Food co-ops could be, in most cases, are owned by the consumers, the people that shop there. And so in some cases, it's owned by the employees and the consumers, so a worker cooperative and a consumer cooperative. The other two, which you have a lot of farmers and now artists are doing, is what they call a purchasing co-op. They purchase their products together, okay? They purchase their products so they can buy in volume. They'll have a staff that helps them to buy, so they'll they'll know the vendors, they'll do the contracts. And when they buy in volume, they normally get better products for a lower price. And so that's why people come together. Farmers do that, to buy grain and fertilizers and gas and whatever else they might need. They also may buy equipment together. And, uh, Audrey, I have found, since I've been doing this show, which is now five years, this is our fifth year anniversary, Just October.
1: Congratulations.
0: And... Uh, that artists are beginning to form purchasing co-ops. They may go out and purchase, uh, like in Pittsburgh, there's a, uh, a group called Ujama, and they bought a uh, storefront so that the ladies mostly that do their different artwork and have a storefront, individually they couldn't afford it, but collectively they can, and then they work it. And then the other side of it is the marketing cooperatives, Again, the farmers have been using this a lot. The farmers have to farm. They have to buy the stuff that they need to farm. And then they have to market their products. And they may not know how to do all of that. So they form marketing co-ops, Ocean Spray, uh, Land of Lakes, Cabot Creamery. Those are all different types of of um, marketing co-ops. So those are the four basics. And housing co-ops, which Audrey is the president of one, St. Joseph in Boston, Massachusetts, 137 units. So, townhouse units. Townhouse units. <laughs> okay, two levels.
1: There are two levels in for the one bedrooms. Um, we have they're just a single level. Uh, for two bedrooms, they're um, upstairs and downstairs. For three bedrooms, that that's the same. Most three bedrooms have a basement. Those who don't have a basement are split levels, so there are three levels, and then you have the four bedrooms that basically have basements and they're two levels plus their basement um, and then the five units are three levels. Five bedrooms? We have five bedroom units. Wow. Wow! So you have a lot of children? Um, we have half and half. We have a lot of individuals that have lived in this cooperative in, since nine, August of 1969. They still live there. A lot of them do. We have some that have passed their um, their cooperative share over to their children or grandchildren, so we have like three to four generations um, living there because the um, cooperative share was passed on to families who qualified. So we have a, we are starting to have a lot of children. We had a lot of kids that grew up, went to college, and they, you know, they're they're all over the country. And then we have a new group of children that are basically coming over. So for about four or five years, we didn't have really any kids. So. This year, we do. We have a lot of kids running around because of these third, second, and third generations, and so it's great seeing the kids riding their bikes and running around and playing. Um, and then we have, you know, individuals that that are that you know they're just the husband and wife. They've never had any children, but we look at Saint Joseph as a, a family cooperative. Um, you know, like it in the, like it. yes, like in the olden days. Um, the fact is that, and you may or may not remember. If, you're, if someone was looking out of the window and saw you doing something, they'd call your mother. Or they'd go get you and bring you to your mother. And we well, have that in St. Joseph still now. Still, today? Yes, we have it.
0: I grew up in Bluefield, West Virginia. Okay. And in Bluefield, West Virginia, we all we was on a mountaintop. Okay. We called Tank Hill. And it was basically working poor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's whites and blacks, and it didn't make any difference. But if somebody saw you out on the street... They called, but back then there was no telephones. Mm-hmm. They call with, "Hey, Flory, <laughs> with the call. Uh-huh. So you may get smacked out there or whooped out there, and you yes. get, get it when you get home. Well, you can't
1: do that in today' ages today's because of you know 51 A's and all of that yeah. abuse. But the fact is, they, your mama will find out about it.
0: Yeah, and that kept us straight. Yes, it really does take a village. So you have a yes, village. it takes
1: a village to raise children, and um, and. The St. Joseph stays at at least a 98 to a 99% of people living there. We very seldom have units, and we have units available, the townhouse units, people scramble to try to buy into the equity within the cooperative. Because we are a limited equity cooperative.
0: Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that word. So you stay occupied, 95 to 98% occupied. By always-
1: owner-occupied, because they own a share in the cooperative.
0: Okay, so it doesn't make any difference in a five-bedroom
1: or one-bedroom; they have one share. They have one share, one one thirty-seventh. Okay. So, okay. We started out as a two twenty-one D three, and we paid off our mortgage in um, November of two thousand eleven. Hallelujah! Okay. (laughs) Yes, and we voted um, the whole community when you make major votes to change anything in your bylaws. The three-fourths of your of your members have to be there before it basically any changes. And when we paid our mortgage, it was determined that we were going to stay affordable. And that's what we did because we could have turned to condos because of where we're situated. There are a lot of stuff, condos and things going up, but we determined to stay affordable where we do have a HAP contract, um, which is project based. We have um, individuals that are beamers and then we have individuals that are market.
0: So I want to go back and explain a few of these terms you've used. So a 236-D3 is the name of the section of the law that HUD had that would say that they could put up money to help to purchase or build a cooperative. Cooperative, Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's a limited equity co-op. Limited equity co-op means that there's a limited amount of profit that you can make off of your initial investment. Correct. Okay, your deposit or subscription fee or whatever that's called. Subscription fee. Okay, so they put a lemon on it. Now, I used to think when I first heard about limited equity co-op, I used to think that was a way that because a lot of these housing co-ops, limited equity were in black neighborhoods. So I used to think that they're the way that people in power would make it so that black folks could not make money. That was my first impression. And since then, though, I love limited equity co-ops. Yes. Why do you like them?
1: Because it gives a person a sense of ownership, and when you have a sense of ownership, you basically makes you feel good. Because you know they have a right to to live in that unit because they have a share, but to them that's you know they take care of their front yard, their back yards, their backyards, inside of their houses. Um, you don't ha- they don't have a landlord, um, so don't have to deal with that. And you know the, they, there are bylaws and there are occupancy agreements to say. What, we're, what the cooperative is responsible for, and what the members are, um, or shareholders members are responsible for. And one of the things I want to bring up is that we were built in 19, started in 1968. Roger Wilcock, who from the National Association of Housing Cooperatives, came to Boston. Um, the Catholic Archdiocese came, wanted them to be, to develop co-ops. Um, Saint Joseph was the only one that was developed in an urban area. Two others were bu- built um, outside of Boston in suburban areas. So, if anyone knows um, the outside of Boston, like, no, it is one of the places. But we were built as a cooperative, not as a rental, Changed into a cooperative, so there's a little bit difference there. So, um, pe- and people enjoy the fact of ownership.
0: All right, we're going to take our first break, and we'll be right back. I got several things to talk about. Please don't touch that dial. DC's News Talk, 1450 AM, WOL at 95.9 FM. Information is power, and that's why WOL is a great partner. Information. Well, you know, information isn't where you get your power. If you get the information and use it, then you have power. If you don't use it, there is no power. So one of the ways of getting power is by going out and voting. I really want to encourage everybody out there to get information, and know who are, who's running, know who will be best for your community, whether it's in Boston or Phoenix or D.C. or L.A. It doesn't make any difference. Find out who's running. In this midterm election, I have found out and believe that it's more important than the presidential because it's on a local level of where those laws are made on a local level. So they're very, very important. So please get out and vote. Get the information and use that information. Get into action, and action is where the power is. Miss Audrey Dickerson from Boston is our guest so far this morning. We've invited some other people from the National Association of Housing Co-op's annual meeting in Phoenix, where we are this morning. It's beautiful out here. I don't know what the weather is. I heard 50-some degrees in D.C. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 80 or something out here today.
1: Well, it's 43 in Boston. Okay. Degrees.
0: Okay. So we were talking about how you got formed using HUD. It was built as a cooperative. Roger Wilcox, unfortunately, passed last year. He was 97 years old. He and Herb Fisher used to sit me down at the National Association meetings and the development and I almost literally sat at their knee and, and heard about history. The history. And Roger always, almost always started a conversation about what happened in 1954, and he would bring it up to the day. Uh, just a wealth. And he was writing a book, never got it published or finished before he unfortunately passed. So that's a, a great, great history who love, love co ops. Now, go all the way back. I just did my mathematics from 1970 to 2018. It's 48 years.
1: We will be 50 in um, August 2019. We will celebrate our 50th anniversary as a housing cooperative. St. Joseph will.
0: Let me know. I may travel up to Boston.
1: That's no, no problem. no problem. guys.
0: And if you have it on Thursday, we'll have you back live with some of the other people there. And if not, we may tape something to do a future show.
1: Okay, that's no problem.
0: Built in 1968, started in 68, finished in 69. That's the time I was graduating from college. Okay. You are the president, and there's 137 units. There's one member, one vote. Yes, it is. A Democratic. Democratic. So how do you get elected?
1: In St. Joseph, uh, we follow the Rothschild principles um, and then our bylaws, which states that Once a year, we have to have an annual meeting that all members have to attend. Sometimes they all attend, sometimes they don't. But you have to have, in order to to do any business at your annual meeting um, or make any changes, you have to have at least um, 75% of your housing co-op members present at that annual meeting. How many percent? 75%. Wow, that's that, to have a quorum, you need 75%. For to make any changes, major changes, or basically for voting. Okay. So, so we allow people to do proxies for those who cannot attend. One proxy per individual. So if you have someone that's working or somebody that um, is sick, they can submit a proxy. And, oh. um, and that person can vote for them. So at that time, we basically have our elections. We go through business of you know of what's ha- we have our attorney there who talks about any issues or things uh, if if there are any happening legal. We have our um, CPA slash auditor there to let the cooperative basically have an understanding of where we are financially, what shape.
0: You give everybody in the co-op the financials?
1: No, we we give them a a, a statement so that they have an idea the. And that comes from um, our CPA and our management company. They just, you know, so that you know how much money, um, you know, where we are in regards to you know spending and and how much money, uh, you know, are we are we in the plus? Are we in the minus?
0: Well, so, I, I call it the financials.
1: Yes. Well, that's the financial, and yeah. our CPA is there, who has already done the audit because the audit would have already been um, submitted, and he basically tells the cooperative, you know, what shape we are. And unfortunately. We have been in. We're in good shape, very good shape, um, and members like to hear that.
0: So the members come, and I just did a little math. You need 103 members in order to make a, a, a change. That's a supermajority. Uh, that's majority. a change. A, a change. Yes. Yeah, but but um, not, for, not to elect the board, though.
1: No, to elect the board, we have to basically have. You do, it's the quorum of how many people are in attendance. And you take the number of people who are attendance, the number of proxies that you have, the number of absentee ballots, and you basically have to have, at least in order to vote, you have to have 42 individuals present, and then along with your proxies or your absentee. Um, And so a board member, a person, potential board member, or existing board member, they have to submit an application, um, which is a four-page application about who they are why they want to serve on the board, what, what do they have to offer to the community, what do they have to, skills do they have to offer to the board, um, you know, what, you know do, what education you have, what training you have, um, and then the members, that's posted. That's posted at least to, in the office, the site office, posted on, uh, with a picture of the individual so that members can come into the office and see who's running and read about them. Because in our bylaws it says that nominations cannot be taken from the floor. So to have that out there, we encourage individuals to, you know, to run for the board because it's, it's important that people basically take the power in regards to being there to make sure that the member shareholders are the ones that basically makes the rules, policies, and everything, and someone else is not making it for them. Amen. So that, um, so that we, we have an election. We have our attorney there who, who runs the election. They vote in a board of some members that are called um, to take in to count the votes. And um, each member, each person running gets up to you, and they have three minutes to talk about why they would be great to be a member of St. Joseph. And after that, the votes are collected from the members, the inspectors, um, the election inspectors. They take the votes, tally the votes, and bring it back and give the information to, to the attorney. And the attorney basically states... Um, who is now either is it, stays on the board, who is on the board, or who the new who the new board member will be?
0: So what I'm hearing is the 137 members, owners. Mm-hmm. They they live there. They own it. They're the ones that, through their bylaws, tell them how they can elect the board of directors. Yes, it's in the bylaws. And then the board of directors then are the ones that manage the. They have the. They call it fiscal responsibility.
1: We have fiscal responsibility. We have to deal. We um, comply with our bylaws. Um, we develop policy. We develop house rules and regulations, and we hire a managing agent that will come in to do the, the day-to-day running of the of the cooperation. And every month we have a have a um, board meeting, and we all that information is given. How, how often? We have a board meeting once a month. Okay. Once a month, um, the only month, time we don 't have one a board meeting is August and december and but other than that um, we have and you have to attend because a member a board member cannot miss two consecutive meetings if they are then they're basically we, you know we they have to give reason and rationale because you can't you know be part of something when you 're not there to basically to make sure that things are happening that need to happen and once a week, I I get an update from the managing agent in regards to anything that's happening in the cooperative. So I am t- t- totally aware. Um, sometimes I may put my input or want or basically you know you know ask why certain things were done. I'm not a micromanager, but I but but I make sure that the welfare, um it is my fiduciary responsibility to make sure that the welfare of the cooperative is being met.
0: Okay, so. This is what I call an inverse pyramid mm-hmm. you got the members on top who have the power yes they have the power and if they get the information and they come to board meetings and then they know who or who they can elect then they they can put that power to use by electing a board of, of directors and holding them accountable to create the kind of policies that they want yes the, and, and follow the bylaws or change them. And then the board, as you say, they have all of the responsibility for this business. Yes. That, whether that is, what's the, what's the financial, do, are, they, are you profitable or are you losing money? Right. And are people living by
1: the rules or not? And how we deal with that is that we have committees. We have an um, audit finance committee, uh, which is a very active committee. And so that um, twice a month uh, we meet with the managing agent, we have all the financials, and the um, we have a true treasurer chairs that and he based, they go over everything accounts receivable, accounts payable, checks are signed off on that time, you know, after we all the documentation we have a um, capital improvement committee where um board member, the assistant um, vice president and a member another member of the board, the, to, they work with the property facility manager um, and our managing agent and a managed construction management company to deal with the, any capital work that needs to be done. And they also basically make sure that the needs assessment that we did um, the prior year is basically being adhered to in regards to us making sure the certain things that need to be done that were identified that, that are getting done. We have a membership committee that basically takes in... Um, Interviews, the individuals that are applying, they go out and do home visits, and then they come back and give um, recommendation to the board of directors.
0: All right, before you go to the next one, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to go back to your finance committee and Mm -hmm. then then talk about your membership committee. I heard you say you all meet twice a month.
1: Yes, the audit finance committee meets the first and third Thursday a month uh, for two and a half hours at least.
0: And then you have a board meeting. So you have three meetings for this people the finance committee. Yes, you you're on that committee.
1: Um, I sit in, but I'm, I'm I'm just I just sit in because president usually can sit in on any committee. Right. Right. But to make the finance committee is very important, um, and that was started. This
0: is News Talk 1450 AM WOS, at 95.9 FM. Oaks, welcome. To everything cooperative, if you're just joining us. I'm in uh, well, Miss Audrey and I, we're in Phoenix, Arizona, with the National Association of Housing Cooperatives, their annual meeting. And she is from Boston, Massachusetts. The National Co-op Bank sponsors this program. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. National Cooperative Bank has sponsored this program for the last five years. We are celebrating our fifth anniversary this year. We started five years ago. Miss Audrey, we were only going to do it for a month to celebrate Co-op Month because October is Co-op Month. Mm -hmm. But it hit off. I really enjoy talking to people throughout the Co-op world, and I'm talking about the whole world. We've had folks from all parts of the world. Most of them are from the U.S., but there's a lot of Co-op action going on in places like Russia and China and Latin America and all through Africa. So there's a lot of co-op. Asia, but a huge co-ops in India, uh, farming co-ops and so forth. But National Cooperative Bank has been a great, great, great sponsor. And Chuck Snyder and the group there, Chuck is the president. Not only do they support us financially, but it's all... Motivationally, they they really get co-op and want to and know that want to get more people to understand what co-ops are, how they function, and how they are really good for everyday people. They're good for everybody, but particularly everyday people to do exactly what you were doing in Boston—that is, have some control over your life. Yes, and that's what we were explaining: that the members, 137 members from one to five bedrooms in Boston at the St. Joseph Co-op that was built as a co-op from scratch in 1968-69 time frame. They're going to celebrate next year 50 years of being in existence, and I told her when they do it in August of next year, mm-hmm. that invite me up. I'd like to come on up to Boston. August is a good time. I don't know about January or February. but uh, <laughs> So at least 137 members, you need about 30% in order to have a quorum to To have a meeting and have elections yes. and make decisions yes. but if they want to change something, like change the bylaws they need a super majority, which is 75%. That's like 103 people they would need or proxies or yes. absentee Absolutely. ballots. Mm-hmm. It looks like from everything that Ms. Audrey is telling me, they are run extremely extremely well. I've been managing co-ops now for 25 years. That's why I learned about them. And I have found, Miss Audrey, that what it takes to have successful co-ops is a good governance. They have to have a yes. good board, and a good board first. And then they have to have good management. And it doesn't make any difference if they are self-managed or have a site manager or if they have a third-party management company. But they've got to have good management. And what I call good, good, Miss Audrey, is when they have knowledge, which you're learning here in Phoenix. You have knowledge and integrity. And of those two, the most important is integrity, because I've got a 16-unit co-op that's made with seniors. And at one point, I don't think that most we had with a high school degree, and they didn't have a lot of knowledge, but they had got common sense, mm-hmm. mother wit, if you will, and integrity. They held themselves accountable, and they held me accountable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's what it sounds like you guys do. So we were talking about the finance committee before we went to break, and you said that you all meet twice a month. Yes. And like the treasurer's in charge of a committee, and then the board. So she at least has three meetings a month. She has a board meeting and these two financial. Oh, committees. I have
1: more meetings than that. Uh, you do. Yes. Um yeah. And sometimes my, my vice president also. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the th- is important. One of the things you talked about your third party. We have a managing agent, um, which is Trinity uh, Management LLC in, in Boston, and. One of the things that's in our management agreement, that they come to the National Association of Housing Cooperative. They basically take the registered um, um, cooperative managers course. They basically come yearly, the property manager and the um, person that supervises the property management, because we have a managing agent that knows about cooperatives. They may have not when they first came in, but the fact is that they have a sense of cooperative housing. Um, and that's very important uh, because we do not want to be – we did not want to be run as a, a rental because a lot of people, they they look – in because there's not a lot of cooperatives in Boston, and you have some managing agents that basically try to run a cooperative like a rental. Um, we would – that's one thing that, um, that has never happened. Um, we did have it at the very beginning, and we basically um, terminated that contract.
0: So when you say they were – Managing like a rental give me some examples
1: um the fact is that they were basically telling that board and that was a while ago um, that was maybe fifteen maybe 20 years ago they were they were basically you know you know calling us tenants and and trying to the, the, trying to basically tell us what to do um, had no sense of money um you know you know because it was the co-op housing was new and there wasn't a lot of of, of there wasn't a lot of in, information. Until the board started going to the conferences, the National Association of Housing Cooperative and the Midwest Association of Housing Cooperative, Boston did have the the Massachusetts Association of Housing at that at that time, but they basically were not providing training. So we had to travel to get right. the training and the knowledge, um, so that peop, and so that's one of the things. After a board member is on the board for after for one year. That next year, they they go to conferences, and uh, I basically select all the courses that that individual has to take um, because they're not going on vacation. They're going there to learn, to bring back to the cooperative to better our cooperative.
0: So we're going to talk about some of those classes after the next break, mm-hmm. but you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned the finance committee, yes. and then you mentioned membership, and one of the differences between a condo and a cooperative is that membership committee. Y- yes. How does it function?
1: Um, the membership c- committee basically, um, they basically meet to make sure that they know fair housing law. And they're, they're members. A board member is not a member of the membership committee, which is the membership selection. They're the ones who select individuals to be bring to the board for a recommendation to, as to be members. They are they are members, all of them. There are, um, there are three of them. They are members. And they basically meet once a month. Our managing agent, um, Trinity, basically taken to get the – a person comes in. Um, they want to basically at application. We give them a form that tells about what housing cooperative is about. The person comes back, and they're interviewed by the, by the property manager, site director. Mm-hmm. And then they basically – she puts together the file. She takes and sum, um, submits it to the membership selection committee. Membership selection committee interviews that individual. And the entire family at that time, the entire family has to take part in an interview. Oh, my. Um, and then they do a site. They do a home visit. Okay. They go out and do a home visit. And, <laughs> um, and then they, put the, they, they meet. They put all their information together. And they present inf- the information to the board of directors who basically can accept that recommendation or um, find cause not to accept that application, a- applicant as a member.
0: Okay. I'm going to go back a minute. You've got the members on top that elect the board of directors. Yes. The board of directors, then has a lawyer that reports into them. Yes. They have an auditor that reports into them.
1: CPA, yes.
0: And then they have committees. Yes, we have committees. Okay. So we've talked about the audit and finance committee and the membership committee. So after the board, then also hires a management
1: company. Uh, Yes. We have to do the day-to-day running. To make um, that to follow the policies and regulations that have been developed by the board um, with the um, through with the um, with membership involvement and um, so that you know so you have we have a site director we have a fa- property facilities manager we have a facility of specialists um, we have an assistant property manager so that those individuals do the day-to day running and to make sure that all policies and regulations and anything that um, that uh, anybody that basically any agency that we have to apply, you know, like MoR or HUD because of the HAP contract, that they are in compliance with that, with right. whatever the rules and regulations of that agency. And that's a funding agency.
0: So you hire the management company. You've just laid out what their responsibilities are. Yes. Basically to implement yes. what the board tells them to implement Correct. with the budget, and the bylaws and house rules, right? Okay,
1: so. but but one of the things I want to go back. Um, okay, that when we do when, with the with the with the uh, monies, uh, when a check is written, it has to have two signatures, one signature for the manage, from the management company and one from the uh, from two signers. There are only two signers um, on the um, on on um, that can sign, the vice president or myself. So no check can be um, will be processed unless it has. One signature of the board from a board, the board president or vice president, and one signature from the um, either the controller or the CEO of the management company. So that that so that that's very important because we want to control our accounts receivable, and that audit finance committee they take into look at those um, those payables, those receivables, and to make sure that you know, and before they any checks are signed.
0: So you do have to have those checks and balances. I Yes, we do. All right, and so you hired a management company, then that management company hires
1: staff and vendors. Um, no, the vendors are selected through um, through the site director uh, the um, not the site director the uh, property facilities manager, who is on the board of the capital Improvement committee, which is um, which is run two board members co-chair that, and so that any major capital has to basically be worked out. Through the um, committee, because we have a, we hire a, a construction management company, we have the um, we have the person, the vice president of facilities of the managing agent, we have the um, site director, uh, our property manager, and we have two members of the board who co-chair it. And they make the look at any capital that has to happen. Basically, um, they want to see the any bids that the, you know the bids before and have everything mm-hmm. explained. Mm-hmm. And they have to initial off on anything before. I will sign off on any contract.
0: So when I mentioned vendors, you went to capital improvements. I was thinking about trash collection, uh, everyday maintenance kinds yes, of. Yes, that's
1: uh, done by the by the um, managing manager site agent. director. Yes. Right.
0: Okay. Uh, and so you have two different types. You have the capital improvements that yes. could be replacing roofs, replacing yes. windows, yes. pavement,
1: refrigerators. Um, you know, gutters being cleaned, landscaping. You name it.
0: Okay. Okay, and so you have a process for that. What other committees do you have?
1: We have a committee that's called the Elm Committee, which is energy, landscaping, and maintenance. That committee basically um, walks the property at least once a month, except in um, maybe December and January and February. And they look at things that may have not been caught by the facilities, property facility, or the site director. And they, you know, they look at backyards. They basically walk around. And they come back um, and meet with the facilities um, director and the um, site director in order to determine what needs to be done, what they saw, um, and so that it can basically be incorporated within what, you know, what the day-to-day runnings of things that need to happen in St. Joseph.
0: All right. So you got these committees and everything functions. Everybody knows what's going on. Mm And in your – how often do you have a membership committee? I mean, a membership meeting, do all of the members. Right.
1: A total membership meeting is annual meeting. Okay. That's um, once a year. That's once a year. First, um, The first mon- uh, Monday in April, every year. Okay. And then we, if there's a need for another meeting, if something comes up that we need to meet, we call a special meeting. Um, but we haven't had to do that um, for years.
0: We're going to take our break right now. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOS at 95.9 FM. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oakes. This is Everything Co-op is our show. We're in Phoenix, Arizona at the National Association of Housing Co-ops yeah. annual meeting. And we have Ms. Audrey Dickerson from Boston, Massachusetts, talking about their co-op, which is 137 unit, the St. Joseph Cooperative, built in the 68-69 frame. They are going to celebrate 50 years in business. They paid off their mortgage, which was HUD-funded. It's a limited equity cooperative, so it's affordable housing for 50 years, and their members voted to keep it affordable and not try to go out and make a whole lot of money, but keep it affordable for generations to come, mm-hmm. which is admirable. I've had a couple of limited equity co-ops that went condo, and they regretted it for a whole lot of reasons. One is, which was amazing, and Roger Wilcox they explained that to me. I couldn't explain it to them to get them to change their mind. But when you you bring in people making $150,000, $300,000 dollars, and then the folks that have been there are making forty or $50,000. The people that's making this lot of money, they may want to have all of these improvements that the people that have been living there for a long time can't afford. Right. And you get this two class of people and there's total frustration and friction going all the time. And that I've, I've experienced that with two different co-ops that decided to go condo. For the people that left, they got a chunk of change, but in Boston – That change doesn't go very far. It sounds like a lot. No,
1: not in Boston. Um, Prices of homes and condos, they're sky high.
0: So I would really admire you guys for keeping the limited equity and for you all and for generations to come. Mm -hmm. You said there's three, four, five generations already have been there. And for just
1: four generations um, four you know, some of them the fifth generation, some of them are pregnant now, okay, <laughs> so the fact is that it could go to that, but right now we 're up to four generations
0: so I say that co ops help people get financial wealth and social wealth yes and you 've already said it takes a village to raise a family, and you all work together to help raise their children and make sure people are going. Do you get a sense also that you have learned more and people there on how to work with the police department, with HUD, with other different agencies, no matter who they are? And so you you learn how to work together within the people in the community. So when there are conflicts, you know how to resolve those. And you learn how to work with other organizations. Right. Is that right?
1: Yes. My my father taught me that you have to be politically astute and know who your, um, who your representatives are. And that's one of the things that I basically, I know every representative, every senator, every city councilman, So, and they know who I am. <laughs> um, um, we invite them out to the cooperative, we invite them to fairs, or we go to when there's, there's something there, we, we make sure that our presence is known. So that just like the, the police uh, department, we basically um, have them come to our annual meeting. Um, we have a rapport with the community service officers who are police officers and the the community that abuts us. Because the fact is that uh, we need to, you know, like we have a big um, a ballpark across from us. So we need to deal with the city in regards to making sure that the trash or the people are not coming and walking through our cooperative because we have, you know, no trespassing signs and to go to the liquor store, you know, so. That's you know so that we basically are a tight community, and because in from June of every year until the first of November, we basically have a first armor security which basically come and we they come from Thursdays to Sunday, and we have patrols you know and um, just to make sure that people from the outside aren 't coming in. To take and to cause problems. Okay. Um, we don't have any problems inside because our community service officers saying, you know, nothing happening in there. Maybe 10 years ago, we basically, you know, there, there was a little gang stuff there. And basically, um, we basically dealt with the police. We dealt with the courts. And those, pe- pe- those individuals either had their children leave mm-hmm. and, and live someplace else or they moved out. Because we did not need that. And so that the fact is that um, that's why we have a good report with the police, with First Armor, um, and so that our members can sit on their porches and not worry about someone coming through there and, you know, causing Don't problems know. and shootings and things like that. So
0: we're here at the, in Phoenix at the National Association of Housing Co-ops. The fifth principle, which is the first, the principle that I like the most, is education, training, and information. Well, at least that's the first one that drew my attention to co-op. We've already talked about the fourth, autonomy and independence, yes. where you must have control over your or your property and not let a property manager or a government entity or anybody come and try to tell you all how to run it.
1: Oh no, we don't. That that's something that um, that we not have to deal with.
0: Yeah, you have to follow laws like fair housing. Yes. Um, so there's laws you have to follow, but you, you have control as long as you're living within inside those laws
1: yes, as okay. long as we're complying with um, like for like the HUD for the half contract, we basically comply with those those regulations and so that no one can come in and say that we're not doing our jobs and that the cooperative is not running as a cooperative financially stable and and always filled you know no vacancies
0: so. How many board members or members from St. Joseph is here in, in Phoenix? Three. Three. So what classes are close myself. Okay. What classes are you all going
1: to be taking? It depends on the specialty of the individual. Um, like, the, for instance, my vice president, he basically sits on the audit finance. So he will be sitting in on classes that have to do with financial management so that he can take that back, share with the committee, and share with the, um, with the um, board of directors. Our other um, board member, she basically um, deals with the, the membership selection. So she will be taking courses that are within the marketing for futures of cooperatives, which talk about the different things that, you know, who are we, What are we doing what we're supposed to be doing, and how do we ensure that we're promoting our cooperative? Um, how are we making sure that our co- the name of our cooperative is out there, through, you know, through our website and our in our face page? Um, so she will be taking that because I, I am now a registered cooperative manager, even though I am not going to be a property manager or micromanager. I will be taking registered cooperative managers courses like insurance. Well, and
0: Registered Cooperative Manager, which I'm one also. It's the NAHC, National Association Housing Co-ops designation. It's to, to help managers, particularly it was designed to help managers understand co-ops. And we already talked about the difference between a co-op and apartment building, a little bit about the difference between co-op and condos, but to really understand how to allow the members to elect the board and the board to really run and hold the management accountable and the management do the day to day. So it's a fascinating program. If anybody out there really wants to understand and and running of co-ops is the registered cooperative management program, RCM through the national association of housing co-ops. So what classes will you be taking?
1: Okay. I will be taking uh, insurance issues for, uh, for management because I need to know, you know, what would be the issues for insurance Issue for management? I would be taking um, legal issues for management because I need to know that. So that if somebody says, oh, we need to do this, um, if, um, I basically have an understanding of what, what they're supposed to be doing um, so that I can basically feel more at ease when, I, when something is presented to me. I have a better knowledge of that. I will be taking stabilizing energy which basically we, we, we have that. But I want to see if there's anything else out there that basically may be better than what we're currently using. And I will be taking a, a course for board members only to understand the RCM and what they do. I'm now an RCM. I basically want to sit in on that so board members can get the an understanding of what I just went through and what, I, and what knowledge I had. And then our profile director who from, from Trinity Management, she will be taking courses like what tears down your community, your your cooperative. She will be taking courses on public policy, trends, um, things like that, so that the schedule I have in front of me now shows that just about every course is, is scheduled because my board members and myself will take five courses each during this two days of conferences. We will take five. So that means from the morning till... They end at um, at 5:15. We will be there, so that we will get that knowledge. We'll basically take that back to the to the chairs of different uh, members. We will meet with the board and go over this. And then anything that basically should be shared to the entire community will be sent. Um, will be um, put down and um, sent out to our membership through our newsletter, which we have a. Um, uh, every other month we do a, um, do a newsletter for our members so that they are aware and knowledgeable of what is happening in the cooperative, what are some trends that are happening that they need to be aware of, so we take them to do that with the newsletter. Um, sometimes our newsletter is a thick one because we go through everything, you know, so that so that they'll get information from the uh, property manager, the property facilities manager, the, the management of uh, the, the capital improvement committee, the audit finance, so that information – That they need to be, because as members, they need to be knowledgeable. So we need to not just educate the board. We need to educate the members.
0: Right. Now, do you evaluate the uh, management company, or do you evaluate yourselves?
1: Yeah, we evaluate them based on what they're doing or they don't do. And if there's an issue or a problem, then we meet with the profile director and and the chief executive officer. Of Trinity Management, and we go over any issues or concerns that we see, or if we need clarification.
0: Audrey, thank you very much. It's been wonderful to talk to you out here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And
1: I, well, thank you. We're, for asking we're me.
0: through. I, I really appreciate you, and I already give you an A plus for managing your cooperative, and just people having a great time. Great thank you very real much.
1: Quick. We were star we received from the N A H C last year Star Cooperative
0: um, Award. Thank you very much. We'll see you everybody next week. Please live cooperatively. Washington DC's news talk, fourteen fifty AM W O F ninety-five point nine FM.